0: You're listening to Weird Medicine with Dr. Steve on the Riotcast Network, riotcast.com.
2: I've got diphtheria crushing my esophagus. I've got Ebola dripping from my nose. I've got the leprosy of the heart valve exacerbating my incredible woes. I want to take my brain out. With the wave, an ultrasonic, echographic, and a pulsating shave, I want a magic pill for my ailments, the health equivalent of Citizen Kane. And if I don't get it now in the tablet, I think I'm doomed, then I'll have to go insane. I want a requiem for my disease, so I'm paging Dr. Steve. Dr. Steve!
3: It's Weird Medicine, the first and still only uncensored medical show in the history of broadcast radio, now on podcast. I'm Dr. Steve with my little pal, Dr. Scott. The traditional Chinese medical practitioner who keeps the alternative medicine wackos at bay. And this is a show for people who would never listen to a medical show on the radio or the internet. If you have a question, you're embarrassed to take your regular medical provider. If you can't find an answer anywhere else, give us a call. 347-766-4323. That's 347-POO-HEAD. You're listening to us live. The number is 754-227-3647. That's 754-Double-Deuce-PENIS. Follow us on Twitter at Weird Medicine. At Lady Diagnosis and at Dr. Scott W.M. and visit our website at drsteve.com for podcasts, medical news, and stuff you can buy. Go to our merchandise store at CafePress.com/slash/WeirdMedicine. Most importantly, we are not your medical providers. Take everything you hear with a grain of salt. Don't act on anything you hear on the show without talking it over with your doctor, nurse practitioner, physician assistant, pharmacist, chiropractor, acupuncturist, yoga master. <laughs> physical therapist, clinical laboratory scientist, or whatever. All right, very good. Hey, don't forget. Please don't forget. Go to stuff.drsteve.com. That's stuff.drsteve.com for all your online shopping needs. And if you need earbuds, uh, go to tweakedaudio.com. It's our friends from Franklin, Tennessee. They have the best earbuds for the price on the market and the best customer service anywhere. And if you will use offer code FLUID, F-L-U-I-D, you will get 33% off your order. It's insane. Uh, Don't forget Dr. Scott's website. It's simplyherbals.net. And if you're interested in doing the Noom app, which we'll talk a little bit about later, uh, noom.drsteve.com. That's N-O-O-M.drsteve.com. You get two weeks free and uh, 20% off your order. They're not actually a sponsor. It's just my referral link. But um, I'm a great believer. I want other people to try it. Two weeks free, 20% off at Noom com, and if you're interested in getting archives of this show or premium content such as it is go to com. you can download the app a couple of people have been having some trouble with the app lately but uh, Libson is working on it they will have it fixed in the meantime uh, you can use your premium membership at drsteve.com it works just fine and um, uh, let me know how that's doing if you're having any problems at all. Alright, very good big deal in the news Dr. Scott this uh, an, another um, <laughs> assault on the artificial sweetener <clears throat> um, m- consortium uh, this is from a very prestigious journal called Stroke and the title is Artificially Sweetened Beverages and Stroke Coronary Arter- Artery Disease and All-Cause Mortality in the Women's Health Initiative so now when you read the article the, uh, in the medical journalism literature, it says artificially sweetened drinks are linked to stroke and heart disease. So you go, oh, my God, if I'm drinking artificially sweetened drinks, I'm going to have a heart attack or a stroke. So I'm just going to read to you from this abstract from uh, the journal Stroke. It said, we examine the association between self-reported consumption of artificially sweetened beverages and stroke and its subtypes, coronary heart disease and all-cause mortality. All-cause mortality just means it, you just died from whatever you could die. You could be included in that if you died from getting run over by a truck. Okay. okay? Gotcha. So this analytic cohort included 81,714 women from the Women's Health Initiative Observational Study. First off, this is an observational study. So, um, it's not a double blind placebo controlled study, which would be difficult to do. Uh, but they looked at um, 93,000, uh, the whole study looked at 93,000 postmenopausal women of ages 50 to 79 years at baseline, and they enrolled from 93 to 98. So, it was a prospective time uh, study in that they identified people and then followed them over time. <clears throat> So the results of this study, most participants, these were 64% of people, were infrequent consumers, which meant they never drank an artificially sweetened drink or less than one a week. That's me. Mm-hmm. The only time I drink um, a Diet Coke or anything similar is if I go to the movies, mm-hmm. I'll get a large Diet Raspberry Coke, which mm-hmm. I don't know why. I just It's something about going to the movies. I love it. Mm-hmm. And I love that. I was an organic chemist, so it, it has this sort of est, what we call an ester smell. It's a chemical smell it comes right. up. And, and it, I guess it reminds me of a better age when I was working in an organic chemistry lab, but it, it smells like organic chemistry. That to me. should be the first red sign. <laughs> of course. It smells like some kind of chemical thing. Yeah, that's I love good. it.
4: It smells good. So It tastes
3: like nothing that could be natural. Nothing in It doesn't taste like raspberries. It tastes like chemicals, but I, I like the taste. So That's cool. So I like that one, and that's, uh, you know, maybe once a month, if that. Yeah. And then every once in a while, if I'm in the uh, the physician's lo- or the provider's lounge, and they don't have anything else, I'll drink a Diet Coke. But otherwise, i drink unsweetened tea. Mm-hmm. Can't stand. Oh, gosh, no. For those of you who are not from the South, you don't know what we're talking about when well, we talk well, about well. sweet tea. When they... When, when they make sweet tea, we're not talking about you get, you know, unsweet tea like you get everywhere else in the world and then add a little bit of sugar to it. Yep. They will get a gallon of – look up a recipe. I, I'm, looking,
4: I'm looking at them. I know where you're going with this. I'm looking
3: at them right it's now. It's ridiculous yep. how much sugar they'll put in. But in a gallon, I don't know if it's one or two cups of sugar, and they make simple syrup and then pour that in there. And it's so sickeningly, disgustingly sweet. You got a recipe? For Southern looking, sweet I'm,
4: I'm, tea, I'm looking for you know our our favorite little quick sudden service recipe. Yeah, but don't, no, they don't I'm, use their recipe. Do they
3: have their recipe?
4: It does. This. It gives us a nu- nutritional value. Oh, okay, yeah, 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 yeah. I I do want that. Thank you. I know what I know where you're going with yeah, that. Yeah, I, I mean because we love this place, but Dan. That's the sweetest damn tea on the face of the okay, earth. Okay, so
3: here it is: a, a pinch of baking soda just to buffer it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Two cups of boiling water, six tea bags, three quarters a cup of white sugar, and six cups of cool water. So, um, uh, so one third of it is going to be simple syrup. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. You know.
4: Yep. It's I'm crazy. I'm isn't interested
3: it? that they put the baking soda in there. I wonder why they're buffering the buffer solution. for Some reason, yeah. Yeah. Anyway. It's crazy. But uh yeah, Dr. Scott um will look and see if he can get the nutritional information as far as calories per serving
4: on that. Okay, so in a
3: <laughs>
4: <laughs> okay. In a in a thirty-two ounce cup of sweet tea.
3: Which is the minimum at the restaurant we're talking about you can crazy. get.
4: Fifty
3: two okay. sugar grams. Oh, fifty-two grams of sugar. How many calories is that? That would be 187. So 200 calories right there. That is two um, Yazzo (laughs) uh, um, um, Greek yogurt chocolate Mm -hmm. with chocolate chip ice cream bars. Well, they're frozen yogurt bars. But it's two of those. Yep. Wait, you said 200 and how much? It was 200 200 calories. Just
4: 200 even. 52 grams of sugar per per serving.
3: Yeah. That's just two teaspoons, though, right? Wait, how many grams? I'm looking looking at grams of sugar in one teaspoon. Okay, so this will give us an idea. Oh my goodness, four grams of sugar is equal to one teaspoon. And you said it's fifty-two. Yeah. Uh, uh, Alexa, what's fifty-two divided by four?
2: Two divided by four equals thirteen.
3: So it's thirteen teaspoons. I guarantee it. It's, in one glass,
4: it's, it's so sweet. You almost have to. You almost have to drink it like with a spoon. It's so. Fantastic. I got
3: some in my mouth not too long ago. I had to spit it out. That's oh. <clears throat> that's how horrible it is to me. But anyway, uh, uh, so why were we talking? About? So cer- certainly to goodness, um, drinking an artificially sweetened drink every once in a while has got to be better than that. You would think. But they were uh, looking at uh, people who were infrequent consumers, so that's me. Uh, Only 5.1% of people consumed greater than two artificially sweetened beverages per day. And uh, what they found was uh, those consuming the highest level of artificially sweetened beverages compared to never or rarely, in other words, people like me, had significantly greater likelihood of all endpoints except hemorrhagic stroke after controlling for multiple, you know, covariates. Like they controlled for people who had diabetes and people who had um, uh, already had a history of heart disease and stuff like that. Sure. But um, I'm very unimpressed by these numbers. So for coronary heart disease, the um, hazard ratio was one16 which means a 16% increase in heart disease. Now, this is one of those. This is a relative risk. The absolute risk is very small. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the the range on that went from 1.07 to 1.26, which means that it went from 7% to 26%, and you figure it's somewhere between that. Um, if you look at all stroke, it starts at 1.02, so maybe a 2% increase. Okay. And uh, uh, for a uh, ischemic stroke, um, uh, 1.06. That's sort of your normal stroke. Uh, so anyway, so I drilled down into this and found that most of the things that they found were not statistically significant. So when they look at um, outcomes with exclusions, where they're excluding people who already had disease and stuff like that, uh, ischemic stroke, that's just your normal stroke where the brain doesn't get enough oxygen. Mm. The uh, the people, and this is compared to people who never drink them or less than one a week, was never statistically significant. As a matter of fact, the, in the group that drank greater than two drinks per day, uh, that was the only one that was slightly significant, and that was um, it had a hazard ratio of 1.38. So they had a 38% increase in stroke, but that ranged from 1.05 to 1.81, so there there seems to be an effect there. But when you looked at five to seven per week, it was actually slightly protective. <laughs> it doesn't sound right. <laughs> no, enough. no, their hazard ratio was 0.96, so they had four percent less uh, ischemic stroke if you drank five to seven per week, mm. and uh, it was slightly more in the group that drank one to four. So if you drank Uh, One to four a week, it was 99% uh, risk, Mm. so they had a 1% um, uh, protection. Whereas if it was five to seven, it was lower than that. There was 4% protection. Mm. So uh, these numbers are kind of all over the place. Hemorrhagic stroke, these are people who bleed into the brain. Drinking one to four uh, uh, a week uh, was protective to the tune of 088 So 22% less hemorrhagic stroke in the group of people that drank some uh, artificially sweetened beverages compared to those that didn't drink any at all. Hmm. Now, this was not statistically significant. In other words, it didn't rise to the level where you could say, yes, this is a real effect. Hmm. So very many of these uh, 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 all-cause mortality uh, none of those were statistically significant. Uh, if you drank one to four per week, there was a 3% protection. So if you if, if you took this all the way to the bank, you could say, well, you know, drinking one to four seems to be beneficial for people. You know what? <laughs> so, you know what this... So this is the problem with statistics. You know, right. the journalists are just showing this sort of and they're not showing a causation. They're showing a correlation. They're not saying that this caused causes, it. Right. They're saying it's correlated with it. So people who drink a lot more artificial beverages, maybe people who um, are trying to lose weight and then they're binge eating because the, we, you and I have talked about this, mm-hmm. that when you drink artificially sweetened beverages, the one argument against them that I buy Uh, That I think is um, uh, makes total sense is that the body's expecting, you know, it gets that sweet flavor. Mm -hmm. So it's expecting calories Mm -hmm. when it doesn't get them. It starts to crave them. Mm -hmm. And then you start eating more. So there's more to this. Um, obviously, drink shit in moderation. Why do we? Ha- why does everything have to be sweet? That's right. the thing. Just can you drink water? Yeah, you know your
4: coffee should not taste like your tea, which should not taste like your peanut butter, which should not taste like your 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 cereal or whatever. I mean, right. all it doesn't these all things all have to taste yeah, they, they, the same. You know, right. the coffee should taste like coffee, and tea should taste like tea. Oh, there you go. You right. know, peanut butter should taste like peanut butter. Hey, but you know what that reminds me of, the, and just a, kind of a segue there. It, it's it sounds like. You know, the study that came out years ago about people who consume alcohol and how abstainers have a the shortest lifespan and people who drink moderately, kind of what you're describing now, have the most protection and tend to live longer, healthier lives.
0: Well,
3: maybe just moderation in general. It's
4: moderation, exactly. A little bit of this is probably not so bad. Yeah,
3: it's not and, so much that the artificially sweetened drinks— in moderate amounts are actually protective because right. remember this is correlation, not causation. Mm. I think, Doctor Scott, I'm going to give you one of these mm. for that. Uh oh, Go. oh shit, a dinger. Yeah. Well, well you son of a bitch, okay, mm-hmm. a give yourself a bill. There um, go. Is that it? Those people may be people that embark on a lifestyle of moderation mm-hmm. in general, mm-hmm. and what my sort of. Tome or trope on moderation is everything in moderation, including everything in moderation. Mm-hmm, which exactly. means if you're a slave to moderation, you're going to be um, causing yourself stress. So every once in a while, you need to blow it at your right, ass. Right. You can only stay in the middle of the road so long. Yes. Every once in
4: a while, you got to speed up a little bit. So that or slow down. Yeah. This <laughs>
3: may be all this article is telling us. Mm-hmm. We will moderation to, is a good thing. We will have to. And that's just our interpretation of right. it. But I am unimpressed by a lot of these numbers and they're not really trying to make any claims. They said uh, in this study of well characterized postmenopausal women in the United States, self-reported consumption of ASBs was associated with increased risk of ischemic stroke, cur- uh, coronary heart disease and all cause mortality. A novel finding of this study is that higher risk was associated with ischemic stroke. Okay, blah, blah, blah. Because of the observational nature of this study, however, the possibility of residual confounding cannot be excluded. In other words, this is an observational study. This isn't how we make conclusions about stuff. No matter what they put in the newspaper that your artificially sweetened beverages are causing heart attack and stroke. They are not saying that. And the authors specifically say that, but you won't read that in a lot of the journalistic uh, uh, medical journalism articles that you read. You know, they love stuff like this to say, well, this is bad, and then this is bad. the next week you'll see that, well, the same thing is good. Um, uh, and I'm, I'm not a huge fan of artificially sweetened beverages, but I am a fan of the truth and we still mm-hmm. don't know right. the truth. Right. Uh, it seems to be a correlation between drinking a shitload of this stuff and some bad outcomes in a very small number of people. Right. In some people, right. Yeah,
4: but anyway. Cool.
3: You know, it just it's we need to do these studies, but now so how would you determine whether these things actually caused um, you would have to do a a, a study. Where you did a prospective, and I will define all these uh, double-blind, placebo-controlled study of artificially sweetened beverages, and you could it wouldn't even have to be beverages. What you could do is put them if you think it's the sweetener, because mm-hmm. what else could it be? The rest is just water, right? Water and carbonation. Mm-hmm. So uh, you give people water and carbonation if you want to control for that. And then you give them a pill that's got either the sweetener in it or it's got sugar in it or it could have an inert substance. I would do all three. Right. So you'd have three arms to the study. A true placebo, a uh, sugar arm, and then an artificially uh, artificial sweetener. And, of course, let's use aspartame because that's the one everybody loves to uh, sh- to shit on. Mm. And then uh, you have to control for everything else. hmm Smoking, diabetes, heart disease if you 've got a diabetic over here, you better have a diabetic over here you've got to cancel them out and uh and you and I, if we were doing this study, would do a survey there are i 'm sure that there are surveys on moderate lifestyle that are, uh, have been um, uh, that have been validated okay. so that you can control for that too. These are people that kind of practice a moderate lifestyle or they 're extreme you know right. or vegans. They're extreme, uh, in, in the sense of that they're not in the in the mainstream. Right. Uh, the uh, uh, crazy keto people that only eat mayonnaise, steak, and bacon. Bacon for yeah. that's another yeah. extreme. Yep. And for the keto people out there, we I'm in favor of a ketogenic diet, um, just not that one. Hmm. So you have to control for all that, and then we would follow these people for t- you'd have to the fewer people you have, the longer you got to follow them. So let's get 10,000 people and then follow them over the space of 10 years. Okay. That should give us some numbers. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and, and then, at the end of it, we can decode everything and see if there was a correlation between taking artificially sweetened... And, oh, and you got to control their diet, too. Sure. You see how difficult this study would be? Yeah. Because you can't have these people going out, and they're in the placebo arm, and they're drinking a bunch of, uh, you know, aspartame sweetened or mixed, drinks. Mixed drinks. They're fucking the whole thing a, up. Or, or some
4: ice cream that's got some sweeteners in it or whatever. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah.
3: That's why this is so difficult. That's right. why we don't know the answer to this, because, number one... Who's got the money to do that study? Who gives enough of a shit about it to do that study? And um, who's going to administer it? I mean, that's a huge undertaking. Big undertaking. That's why they love to do these observational studies, because they can just take a whole shitload of people. that are coming to the clinic anyway, and then enroll them in the study and just follow them and then data mine. Mm, sure. And or- you get a publication out of it, and you get um, uh, you know newspaper articles written about you. Mm-hmm.
4: Or they'll do preliminary studies on mice or something like that. Something they can well, that's control. that's true. Something they can control.
3: That's true. Yeah. Could do that, too. Yeah. We could do it on mice. Yeah. It would be a little easier to, to manage. But then you can't generalize it to humans because no. mice aren't humans. No. So. No. So it's difficult. Yeah. That's why we don't yeah. know. That's why we're still arguing about this shit mm. uh, decades later. You know? Yep. Anyway. All right. Love it. So there you go. Do you have one you wanted to talk about? Yeah, I thought real real quickly.
4: I thought it was interesting. I saw a little thing on the Google News that was talking about how females tend to die of heart attacks uh when they have them. when they have them because their symptoms are are different, right? Okay. And 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 this this is Well, you, n- you just ruined the 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 whole you that's a spoiler. Oh. Well, I just pulled it. Hey, <laughs> bottom, well, that wasn't my, my
3: point. The, point, the no, point. see, you did it right. No, see, no. the 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 medical journalistic, not all of them. There's mm-hmm. some really good ones out mm-hmm. there, but sure. uh, very many of those folks would say women die more often of heart attacks, mm-hmm. which is not true, and that would start to imply. That maybe women don't get quality health care mm-hmm. or, or, you know, what mm-hmm. are... But, but the spoiler is, mm-hmm. they actually present differently. They present differently. But now... So tell us about Yeah, it. a little bit further. Well, and we'll get
4: to that in two seconds. But the bottom line is when females... You know, we, we think the classic heart, atta- heart attack signs and symptoms... Yeah. You know, chest pain, an elephant sitting on a chest, shortness of breast, you know... Um, shortness of breast. 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 breast? breast. What are you thinking about? <laughs> um, you know... Oh, oh. So, That's a double boo. Shortness <laughs> of breath, I'm sorry. And um you know, sweating, you know, diaphoresis, right? And but those are classically male signs of heart attacks. Sometimes pain shooting in the left arm, sometimes shooting into the face. But women can be their signs can be a little bit different. Um they can have similar signs and symptoms, but also they can have signs that are not necessarily related to this, like fatigue abdominal pain hmm. um, pain in their neck and remember you, you tell the story you've told the story a number of times of the gentleman that that um, yeah, came, came into the emergency room. He
3: was talking about having you it, know, his throat hurting. He got triaged to the um, ambulatory side of the emergency room because he said he had a sore throat. Right which the ambulatory side thinking he's not as serious. Really, thought he had cold, you know, a, a cold yeah, or, something. or something and right. what he was really trying to say is I have chest pain and it's radiating Shooting to my, my neck. Throat, yeah. If he had said that uh, he may be still alive today, mm-hmm. so
4: you know mm-hmm. well that's that and that's that's what this this article was just pointing out. And that was my my key to this is recognizing the fact that that females do have some different signs than males yeah um, but now interestingly, it was talking a little bit lower than they article. also
3: die within a year of heart attack more often than men as well. Mm-hmm. so they have the heart attack if they they survive it, then within a year they're more likely to be dead
4: than a male. You know, and that's what I was just reading on this Further Down articles. They do not – females, which, which – now, this shocked me. I'll have to do some more research on this. They don't follow through on cardiac rehab as much, and they don't follow the um, the post-heart um, attack um, indications or, or, or plans that sit by their by their docs. Yeah, and it may be.
3: very strange. Th- this could be uh, an issue of health care in the sense that uh, women – may have different expectations when they, after a heart attack, than men. This is, you know, this isn't, now these people are saying this in Germany, that they're expected to start functioning again sooner, which means they're subject to bigger stresses. Now, this is a German study and a German author. Oh, look look who's calling. What a coincidence. Quinky.
1: Today's episode is brought to you by Angie. When you Angie that. Download the free Angie Mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A N G I dot com.
3: Tacey, you're on Weird Medicine. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> She's pissed. She wasn't
4: feeling very <laughs> no like being interviewed i guess but um um but yeah but that's I, I, you know and dr steve the reason i say this is because typically we think you know females been much more proactive when it comes to their health paying attention getting into doctors more often as far as you know as far as normal routine um medical visits yeah right typically men push things off and push things off until they're just train wrecks yeah,
3: and th- and, and again, that's a broad generalization, too. I'm this not October saying. study was was done in Germany, and there could be some cultural thing. I don't know. Could I mean, it. you sure. know, uh, I would like to see if this has been reproduced in the United States. Because this guy says, in everyday life, women often face different expectations after a heart attack than men. Uh, this is from Technical University of Munich. They're expected to start functioning sooner, which means that they are subject to bigger stresses. Our study shows it's important to pay close attention to female patients, especially in the first year after the event. So let's try that in the United States. Let's see if uh, women in the U.S. die from myocardial. We could have probably done this research ahead of time. Uh, heart disease is the leading cause of death for women in the United States, killing, God, 300,000 women in 2013. That's one in every four female deaths. Hmm. Uh, it says here around the same number of women and men die each year of heart disease in the United States. Um, oh, okay, so I'm looking at this map. Holy moly. Boy, the southeast, particularly uh, Louisiana, uh, Mississippi, Alabama, pretty rough on the women having heart attacks. Mm. Uh, age of, uh, wow. That's the highest rate, up to 931 per hundred thousand in that lowest part near the gulf Uh, let's see what they say here Um, uh, almost two-thirds of women who die suddenly of coronary artery disease have no previous symptoms and so even if you have no symptoms you may still be at risk for heart disease so Mm -hmm. it says uh, while some women have no symptoms others experience dull heavy sharp chest pain uh... Uh, These may occur during rest, begin during physical activity, or be triggered triggered by mental stress. So uh, let's just talk about the classic symptoms of a heart attack first. Mm -hmm. Uh, The classic symptoms, the elephant on your chest, Mm -hmm. shortness of breath, maybe palpitations, meaning, uh, you know, a thumping in your chest, skip beats, uh, sweating, nausea, vomiting, those kinds of things, Um, shortness of breath. Classically, this will occur. Uh, you may have these when you're not having a heart attack, but you're having angina, which is, you know, the pain that comes before a heart attack. Uh, when you when you have activity, you go upstairs. Right, right. And all of a sudden, you have a little chest pain. Maybe it goes away, and you don't think about it. And then you go upstairs again, you have it again.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: Uh, my dad had um, shoulder pain. And so when he had his treadmill test, when my brother was giving him his treadmill test... Because we lived in the middle of nowhere, and my brother was the only doctor in town at the time, so he was my dad's doctor. He gave him a treadmill, and uh, he started to see the classic signs of uh, um, ischemia, right. in other words, lack of blood going to the heart. And uh, in the lower uh, uh, leads, 2, 3, and AVF, doesn't mm-hmm. matter what that is, but there's 12 leads. There were three of them. That lets you think that the... the, the, the um, The ischemia is in the bottom part of the heart. Well, he saw that, and my brother said, "Are you having any symptoms?" He's like, "Well, I'm having that shoulder pain," and then that's when he realized his shoulder pain was actually heart pain. And can I just to clarify, just
4: to make sure that everybody that doesn't know anatomy of the heart maybe so much as we do, when we're talking about the, the blood getting to the heart, we're not talking inside the heart chambers. We're talking to the little. That's right. We're talking the little blood vessels that are on the outside coronary, the arteries. coronary arteries that feed the muscles that cause the heart. Because you know, typically they'll get they'll be still have blood in the heart chambers themselves. Yeah, you would think yeah. that
3: that would the blood is full. Uh, the think. heart is full of blood. Yeah. Why wouldn't it just uh, feed itself? But right. it really doesn't work. that Doesn't way. work that way. Yeah, and that, I think that's important to remember.
4: Those are those are the arteries on the outside of the heart that feed the muscles. Right, carrying oxygen. That's
3: where you see the ischemia typically. Right. Yeah. So you'll you have. Um, uh, a couple of, uh, so you've got your aorta, and the aorta is the big vessel coming out of the heart. And just as it comes out of the heart, it will have a couple of um, uh, outlets. Mm-hmm. There's a left main coronary artery, and then a right coronary artery. And the right coronary artery kind of goes around the right side of the heart to mm-hmm. the bottom. And then the left main splits into a left anterior descending artery, which is the artery that goes down the front of the heart, and then another one called the circumflex, which circumflexes (laughs) the heart. It goes around the back of the heart. And uh, from there, all these little branches will come out of uh, those main arteries, and those are the ones that'll get clogged. Mm -hmm. And uh, when they get clogged, uh, the, the part of the heart that they feed will not get enough blood supply, and then you can see that on this cardiogram or right. other things that we can do. We can do a thallium stress test, and you'll see that there's less oxygen being used in one part of the heart. It kind of shows up as a dark hole in the in the blood um, distribution to the heart, and that gives you an idea that there's um, a blockage there. The gold standard, of course, is doing a catheterization. Right. So um, now because there's three main coronary arteries that, but that left main artery, mm-hmm. the one that we talked about is it comes out of the aorta and then splits into two if you get a clog there, yeah. you're getting two-thirds of the heart or more uh, is no longer getting oxygen and that's the so-called widow, widow maker. Maker. yeah that's the bad one. And with that one we take personally because that's what GVAC, that's had. What GVAC yeah, and uh, so if you're interested if mm-hmm. you have any risk factors at all, uh, First-degree relative with early heart attack—in other words, heart attack before the age of 65—if you have high cholesterol, high blood pressure, if you're a smoker, you can go get a um, cardiac test that costs about 50 bucks, okay. and it's a—it's a calcium score, it's a CT. You lay down in between cycles; they'll do these between cases because it really only takes about 30 seconds to do. You lay down, they do the scan, and then they'll read it, and they can tell you what your risk of uh, having a heart attack in the next 10 years is. Uh, I want to tell you a really quick story if you've got two seconds. Um, of course. um, We have 20 minutes and 25 seconds to kill. Great story. Blues Traveler,
4: one one of my favorite bands, John Popper, used to be morbidly obese. Yep. Um, lost the guy bu- who
3: just noodles on that harmonica? Wears out a harmonica. Well, he doesn't wear it out. He just noodles he on it. Wears, he just plays a bunch of notes. He blows it out. He's the, I, best. I, He's I the best I've ever
4: heard. Okay. He, but anyway, so so he was, um like I said, morbidly obese. He had a heart attack. Well, how he figured out he was having a heart attack, now this is a true story. He, he, he tells us um, he was laying in bed. He was watching a porno. He was p- giving himself some pleasure, masturbating, well, about the time he'd start getting really into it, he'd notice he started having chest pain. Uh-huh. And so he stopped, and he thought, and chest pain went away. Then he did it again. There he is. It's about the third time he blew into the, or got ready to really get excited. He started having severe chest pains. He, he thought, maybe I should stop this and go to the hospital. Yeah. Went and found the, his blockage. I guess they, 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 my assumption is they did a stint on him. He's lost probably 100 pounds, and sounds great. Wow. He's, so that's, that is a true story
3: yeah good for him dang well anyway traveler. I'm not a traveler I'm not a fan of his harmonica playing oh I love it let me see here he's playing it on Covino and Rich let's see what he did here if he would just do something melodic with it but he just plays a shitload of notes oh it's a ton of notes yeah he's got, it's like, um, he's got a big old go. breath I don't know what the hell he's doing there. He's just playing. I just hear a shitload of notes. No, that's one of those. I know I feel like the emperor in Amadeus. Amadeus.
4: Amadeus. By the way, that was his song called,
3: oh, shit. I would defy you if I isolated all of his... Run around, run around, run around. All of his... Harmonica solos, if you could tell one from the other. There's one that, that was <laughs> okay. that was a song called Run Around, I guarantee okay. it. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Well, I may have to stand corrected on this, but uh, <laughs> the emperor listened Amadeus. to the magic flute in Amadeus and he mm-hmm. said, Mozart, it has too many notes. And oh. of course, uh, uh, Mozart looks at the emperor and says, Well, just tell me which ones to remove. <laughs> You know, <laughs> I'll do that when people come to me and say, well, my mom is on too much medicine. It's like, well, tell me which ones to take yeah, her off of. I'll be happy to take needs her off all of yeah. that. Mm-hmm. So, anyway. Mm-mm-mm. All right. Where are we at? Where are we at with all this?
4: <clears throat> Next question. All right.
3: Well, that didn't play.
2: Hey, Dr. Steve. I know I keep leaving messages about weird stuff you suggest (laughs) on the podcast, but um, not yesterday, but I think it was the day before yesterday, say Thursday, so like Monday or Tuesday, anyway. Anyway. um, Anyway. I signed up for the Noon app that you were talking about, and so far, like yesterday was the first day that I fully logged my you know, it's hard day and the accountability really helps. Like, yes, I've tried, you know, my fitness pal.
3: I've okay. What she's talking about is, um, I'm, I'm doing that thing. They're not a sponsor mm-hmm. called Noom. Mm-hmm. It's an app. And, um, I, we talked, I talked about it on the show. Mm-hmm. I've lost 21, 22 pounds on it now. And, uh, uh, one of the aspects of it is, uh, accountability. I have to, I have to report every single thing I put in my mouth to my counselor. Mm -hmm. And she listens to the show. So I, you know, she got a little frustrated with me because I said, you know, she's so hot that I didn't want to, well, the feminist part of me doesn't like that. It's (laughs) about my looks, but it's like, no, that's a dude thing. You know, I have no shot with her. It's not that it's just that uh, she's she's hot. She's attractive. And I don't want to admit to her that I ate a whole bag of freaking Snickers. (laughs) So I don't do it. Yeah. So that's what she's talking about. So let's see what she had to say.
2: tried, you know, like, quote-unquote accountability through, like, gyms and friends, going to the gym with me and all this other kind of stuff. And it never worked. But
3: It did work for me uh, going to the gym when I had a friend that I went with every single time. Um. And that was in medical school. I had a friend who was a ham radio operator, and we—that's where we knew each other. And and we would meet at the gym three times a week and encourage each other. That made a difference. And that was the one time when I was actually buff was because he and I would compete against each other, who, who can curl the most on the you know on the Nautilus sure. curling machine. We got to the point where, you know, we could curl the max on the Nautilus machine, and um, you know, I, I was in really good shape. But you gotta have somebody like that. They gotta go with you every single time. Yes. So I agree with her on that.
2: You have somebody like you know actually holding you accountable for
3: Well oh, anyway, yes. I I agree. Accountability is huge. Um that's what the for me, that's what I needed. Because before that I could say, Well, I'll just have four Snickers because they don't bother my stomach, so they must be good for me because everything else seems to bother my stomach mm-hmm. anymore. And then, well, I'd go back, well, I'll just have a handful this time. And the next thing I knew, I'd eaten a whole bag. And I was just going up and up and up and wait. And since I've had this accountability, it's not just that, but that was a big part of it, just the ability to have to tell somebody, uh-oh, I screwed up, and I don't want to tell them I screwed up so I don't screw up. Mm-hmm. Now it'll be interesting when I'm no longer in the program. Now that, I, but I have forged new habits. It's been a hundred days, and I'm eating differently, uh, without even thinking about it. Now, you know, good. good. So, but anyway, so yeah, accountability is a big deal. How so much have you lost? Twenty-one, twenty-two. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm going for thirty-three total. So I, that'll be at my ideal body weight. I'm my BMI is below twenty-five, which I'm not a big fan of BMI, but mm-hmm. is below. Tw- it's all we got. Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> Below
3: 25, so I'm no longer considered overweight by medical standards, which is the first time in my adult life. But the key is, how do you feel? A million, uh, I feel like a million bucks. Yeah, yeah. I don't people feel. notice. That's the first thing people notice. Way well, hey, you look pretty good. Um, I, I've lost so much weight, I can no longer fit in my expensive uh, <laughs> hospital clothes. So uh, Brooks Brothers is losing a bunch of money because I was like, I can either buy a shitload more Brooks Brothers pants and shirts, or I can just switch to scrubs. So I decided to switch to
4: scrubs. (laughs) And
3: uh, I feel better in these. It's a hell of a lot more comfortable. I always look, you know, I never, I don't fit. I just look crappy anyway. Mm -hmm. I got a stupid body. It's too straight. And when it's not straight and I got a gut, then it's disgusting. So I just feel better about myself. Mm-hmm. I've got more energy. Just uh, you know, uh, yeah, better. Yeah, just Period. better. All feel better. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, I'm actually now for the first time in my life I'm motivated to actually work out and stuff too, which I of course have not done, but I'm motivated to do it. Well, don't start <clears> jogging. <throat> that's what that's how you blew up your I know. No, I'm not uh, leg no. last time. I did. I yeah. I don't know what was wrong with me thinking I was gonna oh I know what it was. My you're, you're kid is a
4: Kate. Yeah, you're running with your
3: No, my with. son was doing cross country and right. it looked like that looks like fun. And I didn't realize that he was a semi elite athlete and when I would see him come around the corner in front of everybody and I'd be cheering, that wasn't going to be me. <laughs> so and then I just yeah I tore my gastrocnemius muscle which for those of you who are lay people which is most everybody that's listening to this hopefully uh that was my calf muscle I ripped it in two and um that talk about pain and then I looked stupid I'm in the middle of this track at the middle school and I'm just laying down holding my leg like a big baby yes. and I had to limp home <laughs> <This is> terrible <laughs> jogging sucks
4: it's <That's> a terrible <laughs> idea so, oh, my gosh.
3: And I almost fell. I almost bought one of those $2,500 elliptical mm-hmm. things because I thought that would be fun. It's an elliptical bicycle sure. where you stand on it. You don't sit because I don't want to sit on a bike because uh, I, I don't want to get pudendal neuropathy. It's your prostate all pissed off. Yeah, you and think. your dick, too. Your dick yep. can go numb if you yep. don't sit on that thing, right? If you're going to be a bike rider, by the way, look for seats that support the back part of your ass and don't make your taint put a bunch of weight on a right. real narrow thing. Yeah. Um so I didn't want to do that. So but I have found uh a virtual reality thing, exercise workout, and I'm gonna try that. Okay. See, because that's what I really want is an exercise bike that's hooked up to a virtual reality and then like you run away from from aliens or something (laughs) and the faster you pedal the less you get killed (laughs) or uh you know that you may have a a spaceship or something you're going through an asteroid field i think that would be for that i would do yeah that would be cool it'd be cool if you could be like it'd, it'd be cool if you could put
4: yourself into like one of those um those virtual reality games, the shoot 'em up games, where you could be yes. like the person trying to avoid getting shot. Yes, but it, but, around, but it's all dependent on them.
3: how fast you're going on the bike, and and maybe it would uh, change. Like if you're going uphill, it would change the right. resistance and stuff like that. I That'd would be cool. love that. That'd be cool. I found one online, but it's not quite ready for prime time yet. Mm-hmm. But uh, if anybody knows anything like that that would work with the Oculus Go, let me know. All right. Um, let's try, oh, here's one for you. Let's see. Uh, I thought it was. Oh yeah, here you go. This this is a question for Dr. Hey
0: Scott. Dr. Steve, got a question for you. 43 years old, I go to the gym five days a week, and I have a yearly fiscal. And before my last fiscal I decided to try something different. So for six months, we went vegan. So I cut out all meat, chicken, eggs, dairy, if it if it had a mother, I didn't eat it. Uh no honey and no gelatin. And to boot, I also cut out alcohol and carbonated drinks. So bread oh. sure and oh. I made sure the bread Oh wait, I think I think I just booed over dessert. the important part, yeah. consisting mainly of fruits, vegetables and bread, and I made sure the bread didn't have any eggs or milk in it either. And that also left me with a protein and soy-based diet, and we did that for six months. So when I get my labs back from the doctor, my total cholesterol has went from 196 to 228, and my triglycerides went from 264 to a whopping 554, mm-hmm. and I gained 14 pounds. The, so my question the to you is, go? what the hell? Thank you very much.
3: I, I fucked that up. I hit all the wrong buttons. But anyway.
4: Well,
3: <clears throat> so. We, we know what
4: to tell you. He went
3: well, on a totally plant-based diet. Right, vegan-based diet. And he diet. gained weight, yeah. and his cholesterol and his triglycerides went up. So yep. what did he do wrong, if you know, anything? Well, you know, it sounds like to me, Dr. Steve, he fell
4: into that same habit a lot of people get into. They read these things that say healthy or organic or are or all good for you, and they don't read in their and look at the look at the ingredients where there's a lot of hidden sugars, and you'll get well, like, sugar itself is vegan. Th- that's right? correct. That's correct. And I think that's that's table probably sugar what, is vegan. Yeah, because you think about honey he, is not. No, but 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 still, yet yeah, it's the hidden <clears throat> sugars. If you notice, the one interesting thing you said is triglycerides shot up, so his liver is being overstimulated with these with these sugars kicks that up, and that kicks up the production of the of the cholesterol too. So you know what you what you want to. What, yeah, carbohydrates are the enemy, not right. fats. Right, that's correct. So you know what it look, what it looks like to me is that he was trying to do the right thing, but he wound up eating the foods that were absolutely categorically wrong. If you want to be a true vegan and and not not gain any weight, yeah. you have to eat kind of like a like like an ape in the wild, you know, and eat sixteen pounds of spinach. And kale and stuff daily, and then that won't happen. You'll get all your protein. Can you get enough protein? From you doing absolutely. That? Yeah. You know what they found is that one of the reasons that that um, animals in the wild specifically, and I can speak specifically to apes that eat these. They get a very small amount of animal protein in the bugs and stuff that they eat that yeah. are on that are on the leaves. Right. Right. And right. they f- they found that in captivity actually, and and, and, and um. But so what he was? Well, doing that's interesting because they washed their food. They washed it, it to and right, and, right and, took and, to yeah. and took all the bugs. Took all the bugs off. But that's exactly right. <clears> so <throat> this gentleman had a good idea. But the bottom line is he, you know, if he's eating a bunch of rice, if he's eating a bunch of bread, if he's eating yep. these things, the grains that convert in your bloodstream almost instantly to yep. sugar, yep. spiking your serum glucose, it's spiking triglycerides, it spikes your cholesterol. He had it close, but I would say. Stop the the sugar, you know the the um, the fruit drinks. Stop the fruit. I hate to say it. Well, I hate cut to down on the you know, fruit, or at least cut down the fruit, and absolutely cut down on all the brain, the grains, and the rices, etc. Go back to the green leafy vegetables if you want to be vegan. But I, I'm I'm a huge fan of again moderation. I think a little bit of a little bit of meat. You know, we talk about a lot of times on here the pescatarian diets, yeah, based mostly on veggies and fish. That's And that's kind of the diet that I, yeah. I go to. So he was close. Yeah. He just had a bunch. You know, I think in retrospect, he can look back and see there were a bunch of hidden sugars in
3: there. And that's what derailed him. Sure. I, I see a lot of uh, vegans who get fat mm-hmm. and their indices don't do well because they're eating a lot of pasta and potatoes. Mm-hmm. And then, as you said, other things. So starches are just sugars that are chained together. All right. <clears throat> So pasta, uh, even uh, you know, whole grain pasta, even even uh, any pasta period, any of that stuff, and they're filling and they taste good, and it's Mm. like, well, I can't have Mm. all these other things, but I can eat all the damn potatoes I want, and then that's the problem. Yeah, exactly. um, I'm just reading. uh, Yeah, vegan diets a lot of times just rely too heavily on carbs, and there's a report in the uh, American Journal of Clinical Nutrition, and uh, it says. 99% 99% of our genes were formed before the development of agriculture and the consumption of grains like wheat around 10,000 years ago, which you and I have been talking about for, for a long time. That right. you know, our ancestors didn't have um, gluten and a lot of wheat in their diet because they hadn't developed agriculture yet. And um, the, these things are a mismatch with our genes for a lot of people. And then you refine it. And you hybridize stuff, and you spray stuff, and genetic modification, whether it's through GMO-type stuff or just Mendelian genetic modification. You know, we're eating things that our bodies didn't evolve to process Mm -hmm. very well. Exactly. So, but anyway. So, yeah, that's probably what's going on there. And I'm with Scott. I think green leafy vegetables applies in another place, too. These people that are eating ketogenic Mm diets— Uh, if they're just eating meat they're malnourished they Correct. will lose yeah. weight but they're losing weight because they're malnourished right. you know there's 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 as much protein in a head of broccoli Interesting. as there is there is in
4: a filet mignon. is that right yeah and you think about it those you know rhinoceroses. Um, yeah that's you you're know, right gir- you're right giraffes etc. Herb- herbivores the must herbivores, be getting protein they from get summer. protein from from plants but the reason they do is because they eat such massive amounts yeah right they're not they're not protein dense but there's adequate right. protein if you eat enough of it, which is, right. you know, what you and I, you and I, we have to have eat at certain times because we have jobs and families and blah, blah, blah. But, you know, if we're, if we're living in the uh, out in the jungle and, you know, we're going to eat and sleep most of the time, you can kind of eat at your leisure throughout the day and get those calories. But we
3: just can't do that. OK, so let me I'll give you some vegetables and you tell me. Oh, f- we don't have enough time for this stupid game. OK, uh, uh, weirdly. And this one surprises me. One of the vegetables highest in protein is watercress. Yeah. Cruciferous plant grows in water, has a high protein content. One cup of chopped watercress contains 0.8 grams of protein, 100% of vitamin K and B vitamins. Okay, let's see here. Um, how about spinach? Protein accounts for 30% of its calories. mm I love spinach. Raw uh, spinach I love it, yeah. is my favorite love it, love it, love it, love it. thing as far as vegetables are concerned. Um, kale and Swiss chard and things of that nature. Yeah. Chinese cabbage, bok choy, asparagus, and also you can piss and stink up the bathroom. <laughs> One cup <laughs> contains uh, 2.9 grams of protein. Mustard greens, Okay. Uh, broccoli. One cup uh, serving of raw chopped broccoli has 2.6 grams of protein. Mm. And all the essential amino acids also contains folate, manganese, potassium, phosphorus, and vitamin C. So people who are on a ketogenic diet, if they will skew highly toward the green leafy vegetables mm-hmm. and lean animal protein, that's a reasonably safe and effective diet for people. Uh, I'm not a big fan of diets per se, but as a lifestyle, it's reasonable, <clears throat> and particularly if you're gluten sensitive like I am um, uh, you know, and don't want to eat a bunch of potatoes because that's what gained where where I gained a lot of weight. Mm-hmm. So anyway, all right. Well, I'm looking to see if we have any dick or nut questions. Well, I have a Cialis question. Oh, say Let's I had a that. masturbation. Oh, you did. Yeah. Well, no. Hey, Doctor Steve. This okay. is the. Uh... You want to do it, and we'll see. No, no this that one was the next. The
4: John Popper thing. Yeah. Uh, oh, swinger guy master. had called a while back uh, about the
3: uh, projectile. Of ejaculation, and uh, also about Viagra uh, versus Cialis. Uh, I have a question uh, relating to the Viagra versus Cialis. Um, Blue Chew is it safe? Uh, does it does it actually use the ingredients? Okay, so uh, I don't know anything about Blue Chew, but if they're uh, FDA, uh, uh, you know, approved and they are selling what they say is the same ingredient as viagra then that's sildenafil then yes that would be safe as long as there's no contraindications Mm -hmm. uh the the deal with these we only got 30 seconds um is that uh compounding pharmacies can make a chewable viagra because there isn't one commercially on the market Mm -hmm. so they can make anything that's not commercially on the market And uh, you can go to any compounding pharmacy and get uh, Viagra lozenges and, you know, and chewables and stuff like that. And uh, those are perfectly legal and they're just as safe as the regular. So anyway, you can even get your local compounding pharmacy to uh, make some of those for you. Uh, Just talk to them and uh, let us know if you try it. Make sure you don't have any contraindications. You're not taking nitrates or alpha blockers or you have other reasons not to take these medications. Um, they will drop your blood pressure in the presence of other medications. And there have been known to be some serious adverse effects in people who are taking them not as prescribed or for whom uh, they shouldn't have been prescribed in the first place. All right. Have a great week. Thanks always go to Dr. Scott. We can't forget Rob Sprantz, Bob Kelly, Greg Hughes, Anthony Kumia, Jim Norton, Travis Teft, Lewis Johnson, Paul Ofcharski, Eric Nagel, Roland Campos. Eton Twats, happy birthday, Eton, my good man, Willie Fistergash, Lou Stool, Eileen Ulick, Sophonda Cox, and none other than the inimitable Hugh Jasshole, Sam Roberts, Pat Duffy, Dennis Falcone, Ron Bennington, and Fez Watley, whose early support of this show has never gone unappreciated. Listen to our SiriusXM show on the Faction Talk channel, SiriusXM. Channel 103, Saturdays at 8 p.m. Eastern, Sundays at 5 p.m. Eastern, On Demand, and other times at Jim McClure's Pleasure. Many thanks to our listeners whose voicemail and topic ideas make this job very easy. Go to our website at drsteve.com for schedules and podcasts and other crap. Until next time, check your stupid nuts for lumps, quick smoking, get off your asses, and get some exercise. We'll see you in one week for the next edition of Weird Medicine.